Hello and welcome to Stan Student Podcast. This episode's being run by DCU Stan Society and hosted by me, Sonia Tuddy. Stand was recently on campus with their student festival, so we thought we'd chip in with a live podcast discussing the climate crisis. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Dr. Dave Robbins from DCU, Sarah Doherty from Extinction Rebellion, and Michael Foran, a DCU student and climate change activist. So without further ado, we'll jump straight in. Uh, I'm Dave Robbins. I'm an assistant professor in the School of Communications, and uh, my research is on how the media covers climate change and I was previously uh, I stood for the Green Party in the local elections in 2009 and I've kind of been involved in green stuff uh, you know since for about maybe 10-15 years um, and actually back to you Dave if you don't mind just like briefly explaining what climate change is on your business <laughs> <laughs> Well, sure. Uh, I'd have to say, first of all, that I'm not a climate scientist, but basically climate change is the result of the burning of fossil fuels since about the 1950s um, that has (coughs) put all these greenhouse gases into the upper atmosphere so that the solar radiation, the heat from the sun, can't get back out after it hits the uh, surface of the earth. So it's, it's trapped. So we've got like a a blanket effect, which is raising um, global temperatures. Um, I've got a daughter who's 14, and, you know, I just, I, I actually really worry about what sort of, um, what future she will have. You know, what, what world will she, um, will she inherit? What, what's Ireland, what's, uh, what's the world going to be like, you know, in 20 years' time, um, with, if there are kind of, conflicts over resources or um, even you know social breakdown or you know you you just don't know what 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 would happen so that um, idea of just um, how unfair I think climate change really brings into relief so many different things about class and about gender and about all sorts of things but that one of you know the, the 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 just the injustice of it concerns me the most. So hello everybody that's here. Um, I'm Michael Foran and I'm the St. Patrick's campus representative on DCU's Sustainable Living Society and I'm a first year student in uh, post-primary education at French and Irish and I've been very involved with the uh, climate action cause for the past couple of years taking place and taking part in all of the climate strikes and I've been very involved with the Sustainable Living Society here. And personally, I think for me, the big thing will be worsening air quality so is surrounding Ireland currently. And like I'm asthmatic myself, I do find my asthma has gotten quite worse through the years due to the worsening air quality. And people are dying earlier because of worsening air quality conditions around the world. And it's happening right here, right now in Ireland. It's happening all over the world. And another thing similar to Sarah is, you know, wildlife. We're losing many animals and many species at an alarming rate and they're not being recovered. And it goes unnoticed in news unless it is an animal that everyone is aware about. But there are many smaller bugs and insects that we need for biodiversity that are dying out quite rapidly and quite quickly. So that would be a big concern of mine also. Yeah. Hey, so my name is Sarah Doherty and I'm a member of Extinction Rebellion Ireland. Um, I'm also a, an environmental science student in Trinity. I'm from quite like, an, I guess a naturey background, if that makes sense. Um, I'm kind of really concerned about the effects of biodiversity loss and how that will impact human human lives and their livelihoods. Like for example, 
we know that coral reefs won't survive past a temperature rise of two degrees and over one billion people around the world are reliant on the sea as their primary food source that's one billion people without a food source um as well like look at what happened in the amazon after the massive wildfires um it was a massive ecological disaster but it was a humanitarian one as well um countless indigenous people lost their lives their livelihoods there and our government's being completely negligent about this like on a local scale in ireland um the recent climate action plan that, that our government put out it it recognized that we need 18 percent afforestation to in order to like help recover from climate change but it only accounted for 0.4 percent that's just an example of the ignorance that we're facing here and i guess like that that's kind of one thing i'm massively concerned about as well it's just the negligence of our governments under this massive crisis. Um, it's one of the most unfair things about all this is that the people who have contributed least to climate change will be the people who are most affected in this. And that's just the reality. They don't have the infrastructures to fight rising sea levels. Um, they don't, and especially from a first world perspective, we're closing off our borders. Look at the vote that just went through in the EU where four you know, fine gale politicians voted to let refugees drown. And it's not what they continue to do as this crisis worsens. Do they actually want to leave people to drown from a crisis that we started? Everyone's going to be affected. Yeah. You know, there's not going to be one group that's going to be affected more than the others. Everyone will be affected. That's just kind of the reality of it unless something drastic is done. Uh, but everyone will be affected in one way or another. And that is just kind of a fact that people have to, you know, realise. And realise they can still reverse it. There is not a lot of time, but there is still time. Um, I'd say if you look, you know, if you look first of all around the world about who's going to be worst affected, um, it's uh, most of um, sub-Saharan Africa is going to be uninhabitable. You know, southern Europe is going to be almost uninhabitable. You're going to have sea level rise, which wipes out a huge amount of coastal cities around the world, very densely populated. Bangladesh is going to be absolutely... Um, you know, inundated. So you're looking at um, huge uh, impacts just on the kind of <coughs> physical impacts of climate change. Lovelock described Ireland as the lifeboat of Europe. Uh, and we're, we're lucky in one way that the impacts projected are not, uh, you know, in that, at that level of severity. So what, if what, who in Ireland is going to be impacted? It's going to be the people who are you know, when we make the change to a low-carbon um, society, where are the blocks there? And I think the agricultural community is going to be hugely affected by how this this plays out over the next 10 years or so. Um, how do we bring those people with us? How do we make them part of the solution? And with all the information, it's really easy to feel small and hopeless. So what should be happening to create the change we need? wake up yeah. that, that we have the Finland Wave government as Sarah said voted against rescuing migrants in southern Europe a climate action plan that has very little really uh, like solutions to what's happening um, they kind of ignored they voted down many votes relating to the climate in the Doyle um, they kind of refused to acknowledge that people do want to change it's just not wealthy D4 men that don't want to just pr to, pr to protect your business and to protect you know everyone they know because they are the ones that you know producing the most emissions 
but then Finnegrail decides to put a carbon tax on the ordinary everyday people instead of the businesses that are making these emissions which makes no sense because Finnegrail obviously wants to protect our low corporation tax and just you know attract business from the UK and from the United States um, I think there has to be a kind of you know complete change of mindset I mean you know you guys have been talking about Finnegrail they just don't get this at all mm. they think they can tinker uh, around the edges and kind of smuggle through a business as usual kind of uh, regime um, while appearing to do so to care yeah. about about uh, climate change and biodiversity loss so there's got to be a big uh, and I think a shake-up uh, could come at the next election um, I've been reading a lot of stuff that forecast that the Greens will have the balance of power and somebody was quote a minister was quoted as saying they can ask for anything they like so what should you're you're basically asking me what should they ask for yeah. um you know god i've got a very long wish list but uh you know if you look at where our emissions are coming from um transport um agriculture and energy generation so you know um they've got to tackle those first and then they've got to introduce a kind of raft of smaller measures that help people reduce their own emissions in domestically like in their houses and in their own personal transport situation but I would be thinking about um, incentives to move uh, farmers away from livestock farming I'd be looking at in like huge electrification of the public transport system I'd be looking at no more new roads and lots more public transport infrastructure and something you know a, a kind of rain something that answers the needs of rural people to move around you know kind of um, electric like a very extensive electric bus network or something like that so um, that kind of major just switch away of the the budgetary focus from, um, you know, business as usual towards renewables, um, electrification of transport, and move away from intensive farming of animals. I think people are changing. We have seen it in the European and local elections where the Green Party performed outstandingly well, like outside anyone's expectations. Two MEPs in the European Parliament for the Green Party hasn't happened in quite a long time. And it's at 57. Uh, local councillors, which is they had the biggest gain of any party in the local elections, so it does prove people are wanting change. People do want these changes to be implemented in Ireland. And I think we should be looking at Scandinavian countries, uh, particularly Sweden and Denmark in general. While Denmark, um, their emissions still aren't great, they are still quite a good EU leader and a good country to look at. Just in June, they brought out a new climate plan that the Danish Prime Minister and her al allies in the government made to reduce you know their carbon emissions by 30% in the next 10 years alone and they've already reduced that by 35% in the past couple of years. Denmark are making huge strides against climate change and they should be a country we look at and I mean Greta Thunberg is from Sweden. Sweden has been kind of delved into this green wave where everyone in Sweden is thinking about it. It's part of their everyday thinking and we need that in Ireland. We need to be thinking about it every day like they do in countries like Sweden and Denmark. Yeah, I'd say Denmark is a good, mm. you know, I, I think if, if you look back around 2007, 2000, like we're about the same size as Denmark, same size population. Um, we had, uh, we, we, we ourselves in Denmark were at the same stage in 2007 
um, we um, were vying in a way to be a sort of test bed or pe um, a petri dish for renewables, for um, low carbon technologies, all that kind of stuff. Um, the global economic crash came along, the government, the Greens got wiped out, and we lost that like for 10 years. In, in, it didn't happen in Denmark. They pursued their their path and they took the space that Ireland was kind of poised to take yeah. back then. So I think we could look to them uh, to see what they do. Like, you know, um, once I think once Irish people kind of buy into it, they're very, you know, they go all in. Um, it's and it's a very kind of, you know, it's a small geographical area. It's a reasonably kind of there's a lot of social cohesion in, in Ireland. So um, if we if we got a kind of national um, you know, feeling behind this, I think it could really take off. Um, I'm a really big believer in that the biggest thing you can do as an individual is protest and have your voice heard. Because, um, like, I'll tell an anecdote here. Um, one of my best friends lives in Spain and I was planning on, like, flying over for her, like, to go visit her or whatever. But then I was like, I don't want to fly. That's going to add to my carbon footprint or whatever. And then a thing came out on Trinity's academics in, that, in the amount they spent on like first class business flights and the environmental impact that had. And I was kind of like, why could I not just fly over when they were, they were causing so much environmental destruction as just this one institutional thing? And I think, um, yeah, individual changes are very necessary. I think a lot of the time in order to validate the systematic changes that we need. But um, yeah, I think, Personally speaking, the biggest thing you can do is go protest, have your voice heard, let the government know that we will not live the way you're telling us to here. Um, let corporations know that we disagree with what you're doing and we will not allow you to create this terrible, destructive world for our futures and for our children. So, protests yeah. are only getting bigger within Ireland and it's just not in Dublin that these protests are taking place. They're taking place mm -hmm. in Waterford, Cork, Galway, Limerick, Kilkenny, Wexford even. Um, and you know, I do agree, people just need to protest, have your voice heard, and it is the best way to get action done. But, um, like, yeah, I agree, you need to make little changes yourself to validate what you're protesting against. Um, they used to say the best thing you can do is vote, you know, you use your vote, and as you were saying, you know, when you, you, when you look at where the emissions come from, it's the big systems that need to change, but we're all, we're all very well informed about what's happening and you feel that you want to do something um, and where does that um, where does that energy go where does that feeling go voting once every four years or five years isn't isn't enough to kind of f answer the need to f you know help um, a dying planet you know so um, uh, on the academic travel I was at a a thing that this guy Kevin Anderson he's a he's a climate scientist from Newcastle and he hasn't been on a plane in eight years and um, he he prompted me to kind of uh, well basically stop flying and get an electric car and do all sorts of stuff that now I kind of know at the back of my mind um, it's not it's not making a huge difference but it makes me feel like I am doing something and I also kind of think that the power of you never know who you're influencing you know you never know your your Spanish friend might 
suddenly say, okay, I'm not going to fly anymore. About four people I know, without me kind of making a big deal about it, have changed to electric cars. I didn't kind of browbeat them. Or, um, you know, you, you just never know. Stuff you do can have a really, like, ripple effect that you're not even aware of yourself. So I would say be aware that it's the big systems that need to change, but that you yourself can be, you know, that saying, be the change you want to see. Uh, an open question to the whole panel. Are you hopeful for the future? Because it seems like there's reports coming out every now and again saying that the end of the world is getting closer and closer. Um, yes, and no, I'm hopeful in the sense that if we can have system change, you know, we can reverse what we have done. But if people kind of bury their heads in the sand and you remain quite ignorant to what's happening, then we don't stand a chance. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. Sometimes I'm hopeful, especially when I hear, you know, about things that individuals are doing. Like recently I've been reading about um, this big farm in the UK called Neff, three and a half thousand acres that was rewilded. And what that has done for biodiversity and what it's done for um, as a carbon sink. And um, it's just an amazing thing that happened there. It's like almost a miracle what happened to that. And it was very intensively farmed. Like the Extinction Rebellion, the whole, uh, I remember going to the one where they occupied uh, O'Connell Bridge and the feeling in that, the vibe, the, the, the atmosphere was lovely. It was really, you know, that sort of thing gives, gives you hope, you know. Um, but when you see the actions of governments and officialdom and how slow everything happens in this country and how, um, you know, there's, 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 the vested interest and the brakes on action, you know, that's hard to take. But yeah, I suppose I just have to concentrate on the good stuff. Yeah, I guess I'm the same, yes and no. Um, like I study science, so I'm constantly seeing these really negative reports on the impacts we're having. But also, on the other hand, look at the movements that have come out, look at the growth of Extinction Rebellion and Fridays for Future and School Strikes movement. They've been massive and especially like this younger generation like it's like nothing we've ever seen before and we say young people aren't interested in politics but look at these 14 15 16 year olds like skipping school to make a statement and i think you see things like that and it's incredibly promising so to close up it seems like climate change has gotten to the stage where the only thing that can help is a huge global shift on corporate government and even individual level and sometimes it feels like nothing can be done and nothing is being done. But like the panellists have said, change is happening. We're just not seeing enough of it. Thanks for listening in to our podcast. Make sure to share it, check out the other podcasts and check out Stan News. And lastly, make sure to be kind to the earth. We only ever get one.